This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. We've got uh, we've got something to talk about. Yeah, luckily my teammate is not terrible, so that that's good. And you, that's you. You're, you're my teammate. Oh, so, Rich. So yeah, I know. On, on Valentine's Day, I thought, uh, you know, in the build-up to Valentine's Day, I, I thought I would tell you that. So That's nice. Well, I'm not going to make the joke about how I have to carry lesser teammates. Than, you know. <laughs> you could, though. I mean, especially today. I'm, I'm under the weather, so it's the flu game for uh, for me. There you go. Uh, so I should probably have an all-time performance. So oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. But uh, I don't think so. I, I don't think I have it in me, so I think I'm just going to have a mediocre uh, flu performance, so. Flu-like symptoms. Let's call flu-like symptoms performance. So. Flu-like symptoms. Uh, but I'm not hungover like they usually are. Oh, right, right. Yeah, symptoms, yeah. actual, so. <laughs> actual flu Right. I mean, so. yeah, so I shouldn't say that because that's usually the code for drunk. But that's Right. Okay. Yes, no. So today we are going to uh, chat about uh, some things. Some, uh, some things about DeMarcus <laughs> <Good>. Cousins. <laughs> some things about Anthony Davis. Looking at their situations, which are, are kind of unique for – both in terms of this season and both in terms of their career arcs so far. Um, I looked at players who are um, averaging uh, 27.5 points per game, at least 10 rebounds a game, 27 PER, and four box score plus minus. So this is post-74, obviously, if you're including box score plus minus. And the Pelicans and Kings right now, as you're recording this, are both under 400 for the season. Davis and Cousins both match these metrics, uh, by the way. Obviously, that's why I kind of picked that as a minimum. And there are only three teams out of the 15 um, that qualify for this that are under 400. um, Or, I'm sorry, that are under 500. Both Pelicans and Kings are under 400. So... There's only been one losing team in this situation, which we'll get to in a minute. But it's it's pretty historic, both in terms of this season, about how well both guys are playing and about how great these guys have been, productive these guys have been throughout most of their career and their teams, um, particularly Cousins, 
having such little success. Yeah, it's it's because you know throughout NBA history, more times than not, you know, to win a title, you need you know two to three superstars or two to three you know all time great players or whatever. But to you know make a solid playoff run, to, your team to be good, you had one guy that's great, one you know awesome player. Pretty much, you're going to squeeze into the playoffs a little bit. You might not be a title contender every single one of those years, but you, you've gotten farther than most teams by just having that one elite guy. And like you're talking about right now, Davis and Cousins are both elite guys, and they, they've been you know kind of in that category for for quite a few years now already. And it seems success has just not followed either of them. And it, it, in fact, it, it, I hate to say it, but it's almost getting worse in some cases, uh, particularly with Anthony Davis and, and the Pelicans, because we saw a little bit of a spurt two years ago. You know, they won, I think, 40 games or whatever, or 40 plus games and, and made it to the playoffs. And it was like, all right, here we go. This is the, the beginning of Anthony Davis leading, you know, the Pelicans. And then they have a disappointing year last year. They have a disappointing year this year. Uh, and then the Kings, what do you, I mean, what do you say about the Kings and, and whatever that thing is right now? That, that just seems like an endless, endless slog. But yeah, it's, it's really unheard of because it's just, you know, you get a great player, you usually, some success follows, and it just has not with these two guys. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Davis has been great right away, and the Pelicans' failures, um, I think, are noteworthy because, like, he's basically, I mean, he's about as ideal a player as you could possibly get in terms of just, you know, playing hard and, and, and you know, having a good attitude. And even from, you know, all reports, basically he does almost everything on the court. I mean, you can nitpick some defensive effort or, you know, a few things here or there. But basically, you know, he's been clearly franchise guy from day one. DeMarcus Cousins has been interesting because he's clearly had the talent, but the production, you know, in certain cases has, um, you know, not been there. He was a pretty, pretty bad defender to start off with, really inefficient scorer, that kind of stuff. Like his, some of his um, efficiency numbers are not kind of what you would expect from a superstar, but if you look at the kind of the raw production and especially the way he's boosted himself in the last couple seasons, he's, he's definitely gotten there. And, you know, you could argue maybe, you know, the production wasn't showing everything that he did, but also there's, you know, the, um, not exactly off court stuff, but the stuff of you know the uh, the, the attitude um, issues that are uh, illustrated very well in the Kevin Arnovitz feature at ESPN, um, talking you know basically asking the question: Is Demarcus Cousins really the problem, or the Sacramento Kings were the problem, or is it somewhere um, in between? There, there's a lot of interesting reporting about just how dysfunctional that situation is. How Cousins is has just has a lot of positives in terms of you know on the court and as a person who is charitable. And and is at least you know making an effort to be a great player, but uh, also has you know these emotional outbursts that make it difficult sometimes to be around him, and has um, you know and, and sometimes costs his teams in key moments of games, whether it's through you know um, technical fouls or um, other issues of argument with referees when you're you know supposed to be doing something else. Um, but of course, it presents a very compelling case about um, King's dysfunction, which we don't need to get into all the. Uh, particulars here but it's it is definitely kind of a it is the chicken and the egg thing of course uh with uh with that i i think what's also interesting too and i've, I've seen this a few different places um the people mentioning it as well there's a rare situation in these two guys particularly with cousins i'll, uh, I'll say because never has it been more incentivized for a player to stick with his team that drafted him than it is right now you know they've done so much in this league to try to get superstars to stay where they are stay where they are where they're it makes so much more financial sense just to for a demarcus cousins to go you know even if i'm not happy here you know know, we we could pretty much safely assume he's probably not you know ecstatic about being for the kings but 
from a financial standpoint, from a you know generationally wealthy standpoint, it makes the most sense for him just to stay there, and and that's what makes you know maximizes his value. And if that's something that's you know more important to him than being on a winning team or or you know being in a better atmosphere, and he goes, look, you know, I just want to do this thing for a few years, you know, do it however I get it, and and, and I'll be set for life. My family will be set for life. Everybody, will be, if I just do this and and, and live through this, because that's kind of what we're at now. And I, I think we saw it with Davis a little bit too when you know he signed his extension. That it it, and I don't know if it's going to get any better over the uh, you know next few years as well because there are just more and more reasons for guys to stick with the team that drafted them which you know some fans will go yeah that's good we want that but then you get situations like this where it's like ah oh, man like I really wish it would make sense for Anthony Davis to leave the Pelicans or make sense for Cousins to leave the Kings but it just doesn't I mean from a, a um, you know if I'm in their position I probably just stick with it too because the, the financial ramifications are are so much larger and it, it, the rewards are so much better by just sticking with these teams so it's really interesting in terms of the the cap and how that sort of played into these guys being stuck here as well and 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 in a way you know wanting to be stuck because it it is actually a benefit to them right yeah and you of course you know if you're a fan of those teams you want these guys to uh stay and you know they're important to you and you know you're like into having them so you you know you're hopeful for success you know more success than these teams have had the pelicans did make the playoffs one year and they've obviously been beset with injuries and um and so forth with, with, with the kings it's, it's purely i think just poor management that has kept them from um uh, from you know having success, I mean, just you know, a litany of coaches, a just you know, a, a dysfunctional situation all around, um, you know, strange ownership situation, that kind of thing. With the Pelicans, I think it's a mix of some some defensible decisions that turned out poorly, some bad decisions, and some bad luck. Made you know, there's been a lot made of the idea that they have a uh, their training staff comes from the. Um, from from the uh, Saints and maybe that's not the best situation and so forth. They've had a, a litany of injuries, but um, but so I you know I, I think with the Kings it's definitely mostly an ownership management thing. With the Pelicans, I think there's it's a little bit of a, a mix. They did some things that I think seem kind of sensible that just haven't worked out, but. Um, going back to this list of players who have averaged uh, you know, these metrics that we uh, talked about, uh, so um, Shaq is on this list uh, five times. Uh, Charles Barkley is on it twice. David Robinson is on it twice. Also, um, Julius Irving, Carl uh, Malone, and um, and then three players this season, uh, or Kareem also on it, and then three players this season, uh, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins. Um the only teams that were not above 50 wins were the 1976 Lakers for Kareem, who were 40 and 42. The 1988 Sixers, who were 36 and 46 for Barkley. Um, this is right after Julius Irving had retired and was uh, a couple years after the Sixers had, you know, really had been a elite team with um, with Irving and uh, Barkley there at the end, Andrew Tony, Moses Malone, those guys. And then the 91 Sixers, who were 44 and uh, 38. And you may remember, of course, you know, Barkley – um, got frustrated with the situation in Philly after they had um, they, they did actually have more playoff success than I remember. They they, did, they won a few series and at least made it to the second round and you know released an okay team. But you know, he kind of got to the point where he got frustrated. Of course, he had his um, well known attitude and um, uh, tr- troubles. I guess you could say um, you know some off court things going on. It, not that. Dissimilar to DeMarcus Cousins, or the DeMarcus Cousins, as far as I know, has not gotten into legal trouble. Um, and then eventually wanted out and then it had success in Phoenix. Yeah, he, I think of those guys we've sort of listed, I think he's probably the closest to a Cousins that I can think of in terms of, um, 
you, you know, in, in terms of kind of how they play, their attitude in some way. But as you said, there's a little bit more with Barkley uh, than there was with Cousins. But I, similar situations, too. And, and I guess you can kind of... The Kings, though, I mean, <laughs> again, like, there's such a weird thing where, you know, Philadelphia had a history of success. And, you know, Barkley would go there and, you know, they, they had some rough patches before, you know, figuring it out again, you know, later in the 2000s. Uh, but, man, like, the Kings have just, it's it seems like so long ago that they were even remotely relevant on the NBA landscape. So you, you really, more so than any other guy in any other of these teams in history that we're talking about, like, the Kings just have a history of Dysfunction, where the Lakers, you know, the '76 Lakers, and 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 that, you know, the late '80s and early '96ers. At least there was some history there of them having success, you know, very recently. Where, yeah, the Kings just seem so far away from from even turning it on. Like it doesn't seem like they're you know one player or two players away from from getting good or or, or getting the dysfunction of their their entire thing uh, solved. So yeah, it's it's a very <laughs> very very crazy situation. The Pelicans, I. I I feel like they're not that far off, but it, it, man, their talent is just, I, it's, it's weird though. I, it, you feel like they're just a few players away or maybe another head coach away or something like that, but it's just top down. There's just a lot of issues with that franchise too. Yeah. I mean, if Drew Holiday were healthy all the time, then maybe that's something you could count on. You like, okay, you have your second building block and you can kind of make that work. And, and I, I didn't actually hate what they did in the uh, off season. Um, but but they have some digging out uh, to do. I mean, with the the Kings, it's harder because they don't like have any. They they've given away like a lot of their future picks, and you know it, it's going to be. Um, and their management situation has um, just seemed pretty bad. But you know they could make good decisions here. Uh, you know they, 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 things could work out, but it's not looking great. It's interesting because you know the West has been so bad that even though you know both teams have a, a terrible record they're actually not uh, you know completely out of the uh, playoff hunt um they're um they're three and a half games each back from the eighth spot so they're they're not out of it by any uh, stretch the Timberwolves are in the same spot in Portland's the only team between them and Denver who's um leading right now at, at 21 25 the other teams are 19 and 29 Portland 21 and 28 so um uh, you know, so they, you know, like they're not like out of it. They don't really have necessarily incentive to absolutely, you know, blow it up. Especially the Kings have some incentive with the new arena and all, and just some they have not made the playoffs in so long. There's some, there's a lot of incentive for them to make the playoffs. Um, with the Pelicans, I mean, I'm sure they want to, but you know, there, there's some you know, they could if they lose a few more games, you know, they would be like fifth in the uh, fourth or fifth in the lottery odds so you, you like you're right at that borderline point where yeah you you're a little bit close to a playoff spot or you're you know far you're you're very close to just you know being third or fourth in the lottery so it's uh it, it, a lot of teams are going to have some interesting decisions because there's, there's kind of a lot of there's almost like eight or nine teams who are you know basically in in that boat where they could kind of go either way where they're just a few games from the playoffs or they're a few games from you know having a really good chance at a lottery pick yeah, and a very good draft too. Draft exactly. That's yeah, pretty highly regarded. So yeah, it may, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out over the last few months. We could get something similar to what we had a few years ago, where teams, you know, uh, the Warriors in particular, were just like, ah, you know what, we don't want to play in Africa. You know, all of our good players are hurt uh, suddenly. It's it's so weird. And you know, yeah, or, or you know, the Mark Madsen year of a few years ago, where uh, yeah, we want Mark Madsen to take like twenty shots in a game. That's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah so well, uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, hey, that's our strategy. It, it didn't work and it didn't pay off. But yeah, it'll be. Um, It'll be fascinating to see because yeah, it's the temptation is going to be high for some of those teams that are in that seventh or eighth seed. For you know, franchise like the Kings or the Pelicans, it might be worth it to, to really just try to go to the playoffs just so you can get some sort of goodwill from your fan bases or whatever. But uh, other teams, you know, ones that you, you know 
that is not necessarily something they absolutely need right away, it would make more sense for them just to kind of lose a few games and get to that lottery and, and, and get a good draft pick. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see how it kind of plays out over the last few months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so looking at players who had who were 2010 players for their first seven seasons and also had a a, a 20 PER and a, a .100 win shares per 48. There are 28 players on that list, including Carl Anthony Towns, who obviously only, obviously only played two seasons, so we're not going to consider him. But the other guys have played uh, all were seven seasons with the exception of Anthony Davis, who's played five, but I think it's long enough to be kind of considered here. So we're just kind of comparing them to the other players who are of a similar ilk in terms of you know production and um, advanced stats and see where they sort of landed within their first seven years. So uh, they're so, – Guys who won multiple championships. Uh, George Mikan, who won five in six seasons in the BAA and NBA, and then also won two NBL titles in 47 and 48 with the league that merged with the BAA to become the NBA. Uh, Larry Bird won three titles, of course, with the Celtics and made a fourth finals in which he lost. Uh, Julius Irving won two ABA titles and lost in the uh, 77 NBA Finals. Tim Duncan won two NBA championships in 99 and 2003. And George McGinnis won um, two ABA titles and lost in a third final. So those obviously guys had tremendous success in their, um, you know, within the first seven seasons of their career. And uh, guys who won one title, uh, Neil Johnston with the uh, Philadelphia Warriors. Um, they were actually were generally a really bad team for the early fifties, and with uh, and then once Paul Arizon came back, he and Johnston uh, teamed up and they had some success, including this championship. Uh, Bob Pettit for the St. Louis Hawks. He they they beat Bill Russell's Celtics in uh, fifty eight, but lost on three other occasions. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who won in 1974, also made the finals in uh, 1974. Uh, and um, Dan Issel and Artis Gilmore, both for the Kentucky Colonels, who uh, won the uh, 1975 ABA title with the Colonels and lost in the uh, 73 uh, uh, um, uh, finals. So um, I, actually, I guess Issel also, he was in, I, I forgot to put this down, but he was also in the uh, 76 uh, ABA finals with the, uh, w- with the Nuggets. So um, and then guys who had uh, finals appearances, um, Elgin Baylor, who lost four times in the uh, finals, Bill Chamberlain, 1964, Shaquille O'Neal, 1995, Akeem won in 86, and Moses Malone in 81. And it's interesting because I think particularly Wilt, Shaq, and Akeem, uh, well, I, I I would say not necessarily Akeem, but we'll, we'll get to him in a moment, but Wilt and Shaq, I think the first seven years, both those guys had, a, you know, were considered disappointments in a lot of ways by not meeting you know the tremendous expectations despite their obviously tremendous individual accomplishments and you know relatively good team accomplishments yeah we talked about that with uh Shaq, uh, a few weeks or, f- or months ago that there it's actually interesting to read the quotes of Shaq, you know leaving orlando and and coming to la and then even that first year in la it's like oh geez i mean this guy's you know he's all about hollywood now and he's not about winning and it's just kind of funny then then you'd reel off you know four titles or whatever three titles rather and then you'll get another in miami so it's kind of it is funny the narrative on on him yeah kareem you don't necessarily get that i mean it was pretty obvious you know quickly that he was yeah. you know going to be great but yeah hakeem is an interesting one too because not necessarily a disappointment but then started getting 
I don't know how because I don't know if anybody pointed fingers at him, but it was more or less like him pointing fingers at the team and, and saying, "Hey, I'm great, so let's be good." You know, <laughs> like I mean, like I'm very good, and everybody knows I'm very good, but we're not winning with here. Uh, what are we doing here in Houston and what's going on? So uh, interesting there, but I thought it was really interesting uh, those names that you mentioned uh, in the one title and the finals appearances. A lot of those guys then after that seven years really then set. Uh, a standard of of excellence, a Wilt Chamberlain, a, a Shaq, a Hakeem, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, those are the best of the best. And it, it, it's funny to think that there might be a situation where in 15 years we're talking about, you know, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis doing that. But still, they're so far behind these guys because these guys, you know, Kareem has a title. These other guys have finals appearances. And, and you know, Davis and, and Cousins, Cousins doesn't have a playoff berth. And, and Davis has one very shallow um, playoff, uh, you know, appearance. So it, they're they're definitely behind those guys, yeah, uh, for sure. So it, it's interesting because um, you know Akeem, you know, we think of him, you know, leading those you know those ninety four ninety five Rockets teams and, and just the tremendous you know like heart and, and spirit that he had, and you know all, all the wonderful complete you know post moves and, and and great defensive force and all that stuff. And we think I, I think there's very little negative that we think about him in his career, but like. You know, they, they obviously, you know, with um, with Samson and those guys, you know, went to the finals and a surprise in 86. And that was kind of the team of the future. And then Samson got hurt, was traded. And then from 88 to 92, the Rockets, um, they they lost, uh, I think they lost four straight first round series and didn't make the playoffs one of those seasons. Um, and Akeem was kind of considered a malcontent. He... Like, uh, you, you know, he blasted um, Sleepy Floyd and Joe Barry Carroll in 88. Uh, he he ripped Houston's management. He kind of had, you know, this reputation as being, uh, you know, a malcontent. There, there, the 91 uh, season, he actually was hurt for a lot of that year. And the Rockets actually played better without him. And fans, fans were clamoring for trade. He actually demanded a trade at the end of the 92 season. Um, and, uh, you know, there was... Um, there was a lot of issues there were some accusations that he was like dogging an injury i mean there was a whole lot of stuff going on and then uh he was kind of credited like he he had a a conversion to um or maybe not a conversion but maybe more of a uh he became more serious about his uh faith of um of being muslim and mm-hmm. um, and, and that kind of le- he started this team played better and maybe he had more of a healthy attitude or maybe it was a coincidence or whatever. But he had kind of had some peace of mind and then the team success followed uh, soon after, of course, with those championships. But he did have a run of like being a guy who people were you know a little bit unsure of. Um, you know, even though he had that uh, finals appearance early on in his career. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a part of his, his career, like you're saying, that people don't really remember because everybody just is like, "Hey, he won the titles," but yeah, there was a point and you know I, where where he was ready to go and, and they were ready to kind of depart, you know, part ways with him too. And and uh, very interesting how that would have changed, you know, NBA history and the trajectory of the NBA um, had it came you know left the the Rockets. So yeah, and, and Kareem, you're right. Early, I mean, he obviously you know was dominant player, won so many MVPs, but in the late '70s, a little bit after this period, was kind of the period where like people were were kind of like, "Oh, he's kind of coasting through this," and you know, even though he had insane, still had insane numbers, and you know, the Lakers were pretty good for the most part during that time. But you know, he kind of got uh, had a target on his back for that, and um, you know, well, obviously, with Magic came along, that 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 changed. But it's interesting. I mean, he had those accomplishments, but so much was expected of him that it almost wasn't enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, guys who made deep playoff runs in this list: um, David Robinson, uh, Charles Barkley. 
uh, Karl Malone and Alonzo Mourning um, each at least you know made um, one uh, conference finals one and, and, and one you know at least one first round series a few of them won multiple first round series so uh, you know we talked a bit a little bit Barkley already who was a guy you know he um led to he had frustration at multiple places not not just uh with philly but that was kind of the first one where you know eventually he wanted out of there and, and he was traded to phoenix and and uh you know led them to had the best season of his career there and you know had some deep uh playoff runs um there so i i don't know i mean eventually there was a point where particularly with robinson and malone where it's like okay these guys can't get over the hump type things but that's obviously a different question than you know the where Cousins and in, to a certain extent Davis are at their this stage in their career. Right, they were perennial winners. Like they maybe couldn't win a title because of a Jordan or whatever. But like it, it's not like you know Davis and, and Cousins are like oh darn if LeBron and Steph Curry weren't around like we would have maybe won it. But like they're not even sniffing the playoffs. So it, it's yeah those guys was just like yeah they can they're perennial winners. You know Dave Robinson speaks for himself. I mean that guy. They were churning out fifty point wins every single year. Same with Carl Malone. I mean, going back, you know, ten years of just consistent playoff birds, consistent good teams. They just couldn't beat. They couldn't make that next leap to a title or, or the NBA Finals or whatever. Whereas, um, yeah, Davis and and, and 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 Cousins are just like it's not. You know, you can't blame one player or you know one team being dominant for the reason why they're not you know contenders or or why they're not doing much. So it, it is a little different for sure with those two. Yeah, Baylor's kind of in a similar boat where like okay, every time he lost to, I mean, he made so many finals, but every time right, he lost right, to Russell. Right. So it, you know, it's like well, yeah, I mean, he did about as much as he could, obviously. So for guys who I think are closer to this club, um, you know, Davis, as we mentioned, lost in the first round in 2015. Uh, Chris Webber, who lost in the first round three times um, with the uh, Bullets and the Kings through the 2000 season. Uh, Spencer Haywood, who did win in the first round in the ABA in 1970, um, but only won otherwise um, in a three-game first round in 1975 with the uh, Sonics. And they missed the playoffs several seasons. We've talked a little bit about uh, Haywood there. Uh, Bob McAdoo, who... um, only won a three-game first round in 76. Bob Lanier, who only won a three-game first round in 76 as well. Uh, Walt Bellamy, who only won one playoff series in the first seven seasons. And then um, Elton Brand, whose teams only won one first round series in 2006, which is the first franchise playoff series win and only their fourth playoff appearance for the Clippers <laughs> since 1976 in 30 years. So, uh, boy. Now, I, I don't think that Brand was ever, like, uh, like – I think we, you and I see him as a really like underrated, like productive, like borderline Hall of Fame player, given like his you know peak in production. But he wasn't. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he was necessarily ever seen as a guy who was expected to be like like no one ever looked at Alton Brand and was like, why aren't his teams winning more? Like I don't think he was ever right. seen as as that kind of go to player. But yeah, he's yeah. No, I think the the, the way to the best way I kind of describe it is like if that guy is on your team, you have a you're, you're you have a better chance of winning the NBA title because that guy is on your team. You know what I mean? Like Elton Brand would be a great accompanying piece. He'd be a great, but like he's not going to be the best player on a team that wins an NBA title. Yeah, I mean th- there was never a narrative where like why isn't Elton Brand's teams why aren't Elton Brand's teams playing better? Even though was he a first overall pick or or uh yeah right ninety nine yeah, for the Bulls yeah, yeah he was, he was. He was that one. wasn't yeah. a very good draft but I mean I, I no don't look at that draft warning warning do not look at that draft stay away yeah <laughs> like, I mean a, a lot of these guys were first overall picks or, or, or high up there I, in fact most of them were so um yeah they were all I, I think they all the rest of the guys had kind of the burden of expectations played or placed around them to be that guy who could carry a team 
later and, and some of them did to you know um Lanier actually it wasn't until the Bucks where he was more of a role player where they got that Chris Webber obviously had some good years with the uh later on with the Kings actually emerging right after this um you know but but yeah most of these guys for the you know none of these guys i believe um won a, a championship in their um well McAdoo did for the Lakers as a role player but other than yeah. that these guys mostly didn't, didn't win championships so um you know you could you could say that they're um I mean, I don't think it's fair to say that they were disappointments, but certainly there was an expectation at one point, like, okay, why isn't this guy leading us to this point? And, you know, they, they did not, you know, for, I mean, for circumstances that were just, hey, they were on struggling teams and and, and that happens. I, I also put an asterisk around Kevin Garnett because he's not quite 2010 if you go seven seasons, but if you go nine seasons, he's 2010. I believe his ninth season is the finally the year where they broke through the first round and made the uh, conference final. So he's kind of... Yeah, and he's an interesting comp for both of these guys as well because there's a lot of turmoil going on with that franchise while he's there. And it's like, yeah. hey, I'm great, but like, you know, please, let's go. Let's do something here. And again, a guy that was also incentivized to stay with the team that initially signed him because they gave him another you know, monster deal. So he's very interesting of that case. Yeah, obviously he doesn't fit the parameters that, that we set here, but... He more than almost any of the guys, or at least for current comps, is probably the best of a guy that like because we I, I, and I feel I'm pretty confident at least in in Davis that like if and when Davis gets to a situation that works that the guy's gonna be a killer. I mean that I, I just I really do think that he's one of those guys and, and Cousins maybe a little bit so, but I see a lot of Davis in Garnett and I, I just you, you want Davis to be in a better situation at some point because you know that there's something unlockable there and I, I'm sure it was the same thing with Kevin Garnett where it's like just get a situation where this gets together and and you can even maybe use. Um, uh, the, the Garnett because you, you know Marbury and, and that whole thing where it looks like okay here we go we got something here similar to what the the, the Pelicans had two years ago where it's like all right cool let's start and then like Marbury goes and then they kind of you know it, it, it kind of gets re you know shuffled again but again like those are still perennial playoff teams and it's like <laughs> these guys still aren't ever in the playoffs and it's just that that's the part that's just perplexing is that just never ever ever in the playoffs so it's it's Chris Webber also uh, going to bring up as well because but he's a little different because he switched teams so often that that he's a little tougher to to kind of nail down. Yeah, and I think it's. Um, I mean, it's even it, even even more so because, of course, you know, he was tra- he was traded right after he um, you know his first season with Golden State, and then things didn't really work out in Washington. So it's almost like the, the bouncing around. Like you have like the not only are you not successful on the team, but you're like a, you know why are you bouncing around so much kind of thing. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting because there's there's different dynamics there. And Bellamy was traded. Uh, McAdoo eventually was a trade off. I think I think right after that period. Uh, Haywood, you know, kind of so some of these guys did bounce around a little bit, and some of and Brand was traded, but you know, I mean, it was for Tyson, or I guess it was for Tyson. It was for you know another guy who was um, like he wasn't traded because he was struggling. He just happened to be it was it was situational kind of with him, but but um, and the Clippers actually you know got the better end of that uh, trade. Eventually, Tyson Chandler became really good, but it took a while for him. Um, but I, I also thought it was instructive to look at the NBA players with the longest uh, playoffless streaks. Um, so in, in terms of minutes, DeMarcus Cousins is fourth all time with 14,000 minutes. Uh, the he's, he's about 400 minutes behind Greg Monroe, who is the active leader at just over 15,000. Uh, the uh, other guy, by far the most, is Tom Van Arsdale, who had uh, 28,682 minutes played without making the playoffs. His his twin brother um, was, was Dick. He was a three-time All-Star, played with the most of his career with the uh, Pistons and the Royals and Kings, also um, b- bounced around a little bit. His last season was with his brother on the uh, Suns. Um, 
he's kind of famously the guy other than that there's no one who's over um you know one who's over seventeen thousand minutes in their career you know, kind of some of the other notable active guys are brandon knight who's at uh over eleven thousand. markeith morris who's uh just under eleven thousand. pj tucker at a similar level omri caspi who's over just over ten thousand, and ricky rubio is just over uh, or yeah who's just over ten thousand as well so uh there, there are quite a few guys you know in the top 23 who are active uh, almost you know about a third of the guys on this list are um, are still active, so that's it's kind of interesting um, that there are a decent number of guys who are yeah. mostly sons, I guess, uh, at, at this point. But um, <laughs> you know, there's a good chance Markeith ends up going with the uh, Wizards, and um, other than that, I, I mean, uh, well, Greg Monroe probably with the Bucks. There's a decent chance that although they're they're kind of struggling a little bit at this moment, uh, none of these other guys I think are are guaranteed. The Suns guys are not making the playoffs unless they get traded. So, yeah, yeah, Rubio maybe, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's tough sledding because you know they're pretty far down at this point. So exactly, but but I mean, Cousins is by far the best player on this list. I mean, there's no one else who. Oh yeah, th- yeah. there are some solid players here, but no no one who is you know like a uh, Ryan Gomes, of course. Is yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So. I was kind of shocked that Ryan Gomes is still active. Oh, I, I, he is not active. He, he's oh, okay. for some oh, reason he's bold he's bolded here. But yeah, he's oh, like, I, I checked. He, it was 2014. <laughs> I was, was going to say yeah. something has happened in my life where I like I'm in a time warp because I'm like I do not remember Ryan. Like I don't remember Ryan Gomes from like four years ago still being in the league. So that okay that okay that makes me feel a lot better. I'm yeah, sure. maybe this he hasn't like sent in his retirement papers yet. He's just still uh, waiting for the call. So uh, this is from a Basketball Reference uh, list. But I, is I, he in the D League? Maybe he's still hanging around the D League. No, I, I don't think I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I, I was tougher's in this list too, but he hasn't played since 2015. So um, hey, I saw Von Wafer in a D League game the other day. So anything is possible. Anything so. is possible. As Ben uh, Gordon, yeah. Hey, see, you're gonna. You're, here you go. On January 7, 2016, Gomes was acquired by the Los Angeles Defenders. Oh, well, there you go. So, so that was last year. I don't know if this year he's in. Um, still in in there. So okay. Uh, no, he's the uh, he's oh he's the assistant coach of the Long Island Nets developmental oh, team. So well, there you go. So you got him. But he still he still hasn't sent his retirement papers. Anytime anyone wants to call Ryan Gobes, he is he's he, available. He's still so. available. Well, there you go. Maybe that's why he's still active and on the basketball reference list. Because you know, why would they do that? Yeah. So yeah, you know, we kind of looked up some other guys who were in, in not kind of guys who were elite individually productive, but not necessarily. Um, yeah, obviously they didn't have a whole lot of team success. We mentioned Elajuan and Garnett. You know, the guys that we looked at were. Grant Hill with the Pistons from 96 to 2000 and, and he later had struggles with the um, Magic but those are more injury related but um, it, it's sort of interesting that the um, you know in, in, they, they did have one good team in 97 but they never won a playoff series during that time and they kind of underperformed given what, what how productive Hill was during that time. Yeah, yeah, he's, I mean, you're talking about a guy, I mean, you really look at Grant Hill's numbers, and I think we, we sort of take it for granted a lot of times now, but he was a, a really good, uh, you know, his first few years, and, you know, the leading all-star getter, I mean, he was an absolute star in the NBA, but just couldn't, you know, <laughs> team success uh, just did not follow them, so yeah, it, it is pretty remarkable how good he was and how that team still just could not get above water with him. Yeah, and some other guys like from the seventies, Tiny Archibald with the uh, with the Royals and Kings, the Pete Maravich with the Hawks and the Jazz, uh, even Reggie Miller early on in his career. You know, the Indiana took a while to have much playoff success. Uh, Jason Kidd, who um, you know with Dallas and the Suns, uh, he didn't have much playoff success. Paul Gasol with Memphis, they um, you know had a couple of first round exits. Uh, Carmelo Anthony took him a while to you know it wasn't until two thousand nine that the Nuggets advanced in the playoffs. Chris Bosh with the Raptors, um, 
you know, you, you can sort of look at the, you know, the Yao and Tracy McGrady years and the Aldridge and Brandon Roy years with the um, Blazers as well. You know, those teams all went through five-year stretches where they were not able to win a playoff series. So uh, it, it, it's, it is pretty rare to not make the playoffs at all. I mean, the Cousins is almost like, you know, single-handedly a guy who has had a stretch this long and not made the playoffs. But there are a decent number of, you know, guys who have been really productive for a certain amount of time but were, you know, unable to at least advance in the playoffs. Right, right. Yeah. So anything else, Rich? No, not really. Um, I It's just hard to f- figure out battle plans of each. I, I, I do I, – I reiterated it a little bit earlier, and, and I guess I'll, I'll talk about it again here. But um, I feel like – the Pelicans are probably not that far, but oh, they're such a mess. And the Kings, I, I just have no clue. <laughs> There's no end in sight uh, for the Kings and, and what they're going to do. And like you said, it, it, it's not just that the talent that they have currently and that their management is a mess and they've had you know 10 coaches in the last five years or whatever. It's that they don't have any draft picks either because they like trade all their draft picks. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's kind of a mess. Where the Pelicans, I guess you can see a little bit more of a plan there. But do I have the faith that that coaching staff and that management staff is going to be able to get it together and, and, and do something while Davis is still in his prime? I don't know. But uh, we still got quite a few years for, for Davis and Cousins. You know, I guess he's still shockingly young, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, but it's starting to get to the point now where it's like, oh, okay, what, you know, when's, when's that next thing going to come yeah. uh, for him? So. Uh, so if you were the Kings, would you trade Cousins? Would you think about that? Or would you want to try I'd... to build the next great team around him? I mean, that, that, that's the hard part is because, like, you have the star. So it's like, okay, we got a star. Like, build around it. But it's easier said than done sometimes. I think given what situation they put themselves in and given that Cousins, yeah, you know, the, the extracurricular stuff about Cousins, if I were the Kings, I would probably trade them just because you, you then could get some extra draft picks and you could just do a full restart because I think right now they've been trying to piece it together and your Rudy Gaze and your other things like this, you're trying to kind of cobble together something around Cousins and it's just not working and it needs a top-down sort of change. But... It's hard, man. I mean, <laughs> 28 points per game and 10 rebounds. It's hard to be like, yeah, whatever. Get out of here. We need to, you know, that that's tough to kind of not build around him when you have that star. I mean, that's the, the thing that you try to get is that guy. But it might be the wrong place, wrong time or whatever for, for Cousins and the Kings. Yeah, I think I would keep him. I, I just think you're, you're so far away from, you know, even if you can get picks, you haven't really shown like a – you know, a, a ability to do well there. I mean, he's, he's 26. You, you're you know going to be able to keep him if you want to, almost certainly. Um, I, I think I would ride it out with him and just hope for um, to be able to, you know, f- figure out kind of a, a plan to get your organization in better shape and uh, and work it out with him because it, it's so unlikely, I think, that it, it's going to take so long for them to get good. I mean, if, if they had only, like, missed the playoffs like three or four years or whatever and you kind of had to hit a restart, then okay. But, you know, they're, like, on 12, 13 years, they haven't made the playoffs. So, um and, and I think you can eventually with him, uh, even with some solid players around him. You just it's like a, it's really been really hard to find that mix. And he's playing better this year than he ever has, I think. And yeah, you know, so um, yeah, I, I think. I mean, if you got like something that just blew you away, then okay, yeah, maybe trade him. You know, if you can really get like if you can get like one of those Herschel Walker type trades where you just you know they the Celtics throw everything at you. That's highly unlikely, but just if it were something like that, okay, maybe. But other than that, I think yeah, I th- would... those are much rare, much more rare these days than they were you know even 10, 15 years ago. Like that, the idea of like here take every one of our assets right now for that player. Like you don't you just don't see it anymore. I mean, yeah, especially unless you're Billy King. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, thirty six year old guys. Yeah, here's 
all of our assets for the next yeah. ten years. Perfect. Thanks. Right. Uh, but yeah, they, they, so that'll be interesting to see if they, if they can do something. And and it this year has been particularly. I mean, there. You know, we talked about it again. The, the the east is wide open. The west, in in some ways, is pretty open. Um, you know, that last spot, the, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it there are a lot of teams that could you know get a guy and, 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 you know, could trade assets to maybe get to that spot or whatever. So it'll be uh, fascinating to see, you know, who decides to do what. I mean, you have teams like, you know, in the East, you have Boston and Toronto who who maybe are one player away from being a real title contender, but do they say, hey, let's, you know, let's go forward and let's get rid of these assets and, and get a guy like a Cousins or even like a, a Jimmy Butler or some guy, or do they just kind of say, ah, whatever, we'd rather, you know, <laughs> hold on to these picks and and keep, you know, our, our, our future value as opposed to just going all in on this year. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I tend to believe that Cousins is probably not going anywhere, and, and I don't think, of course, Davis is going anywhere anytime soon either, so. Yeah, I, <laughs> highly unlikely unless he's, uh, unless he gets mad or something, but yeah, he's locked in for at a, you know, what is now kind of a pretty good, not cheap exactly, but not super expensive a rate for you know a player of his of his caliber. So they, they at least have that going for them. So thanks everyone for checking us out. You can find us at the step back at fansided.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA. So thanks for listening. Back again soon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.